The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Verderam. Week three is in the books. I'm Josh Hill. That's Matt Verderam. Matt, what happened on Sunday to the Bills? Like, we're going to talk about it in a second, but I want to specifically talk about Josh Allen before we dive deeper into the Bills because I know you personally have a very close relationship with Josh Allen and his success in the NFL from the college to the NFL level. But my yeah. God, we were going back and forth talking about that game. And it's just like, it went zero to 60 back to zero. Like what the heck? So you're in for Carm this week and last podcast that we did. Um, and, and we wish uh, Carm a happy Yom Kippur, which is why he's not here. But um, Carm asked me why I'm obsessed with Josh Allen. Cause I feel like we talked about him every single podcast and we do because He's been one of the more interesting stories a lot, you know, the first couple of weeks. Um, that game was a crap show. They took a 28-3 lead. He ran for a touchdown. He threw for three more. Then he was involved in two turnovers. To be fair, I think the interception call is a bogus call, but it was, it was uh, you know, in favor of the Rams. And then the Rams somehow go on and score 29 unanswered points. And then Josh Allen benefits from what I think was a bogus call on fourth and nine. It should have been at the end of the game. And the, the Rams would call for P.I., and then, of course, Buffalo wins on Allen throwing for his fourth touchdown of the game. I don't know what to make of the Bills other than that they're really entertaining. And Allen is the kind of guy that is going to leave you with very strong opinions one way or the other. You either think he's great or you think he's terrible. You mentioned that I've had opinions of him since college. <laughs> um, anyone who listens to this podcast knows at this point I wrote a piece calling him an inaccurate bust um, or that I predicted he would be. 
and Jordan Palmer, who was his quarterback's coach, got very upset about the whole thing. And yeah, he did. It was a big saga. The hell with him. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I'm very happy for Allen in the sense that he seems like a great guy, and I think he's he's certainly better. Um, but like, look, man, you can't blow a 28-3 lead. I don't care that they won the game at the end. Like, I, and I know people say, well, they won, and that's what matters. And while that's true. There is such a thing as process over result when you're looking at the long-term picture of something. Like, their whole objective this year, if you're really talking about the Super Bowl, is getting better than Kansas City and Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, Kansas City and Baltimore aren't blowing a 28-3 lead at home to the Rams. Like, the Rams are good. They're fine. But, like, what are we talking about? Allen had two turnovers in what was a catastrophic meltdown. And I watched that game. He was running around like a maniac behind the line of scrimmage. Took a, took a personal foul face mask at one point. Was like, oh, you know, had like a 20-yard sack on another play. It's just, that's not, you're not going to consistently win games like that. But they won this week. And so if you're a Bills fan, you can smile and say, well, we're 3-0. and and, and hey, listen, you should smile. But He's got to cut that crap out. or They're, they're not consistently going to win against good teams. Yeah, and you'd, one thing that I've noticed about the Bills, and I was looking at this game at about halftime, and we talked about this, and the line, the live line, the money line was moving aggressively away from the Bills. I think they were like plus 1,200 at one point, or from the Rams. And then the Bills just let them back in. And one of the reasons I wanted to place that bet was because the first week, they let the Jets creep back in, and the Jets haven't scored against anybody. Like the last two weeks for the Jets, have been absolutely terrible. But the big concern for me was last week where they look like they're dominating the Dolphins, but then the Dolphins creep back in. And then all of a sudden they're in the dogfight at the end of that game against Miami, who were entertaining on Thursday against the Jaguars, but nobody's mistaking the Dolphins as a good team this year. And then they do the same exact thing to a team that I would argue is a good team. I think the Rams are a team yeah. that could go places yeah. this year. So looking at the Bills' upcoming schedule, They've got the Raiders, they've got the Titans, and then they've got the Chiefs before they get the Jets again. Are you buying them over this next three games? Stretch? Like, How important are these three games to them as far as convincing you and convincing everybody else that they are somebody that should be taken seriously? Where's that Titans game? I believe it is in Tennessee. So they're at the Raiders, they're at Tennessee, then they come home with Thursday night to play the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I think they're going one and two in that stretch. Um, look, I think the Bills are good. Like, I don't want to crap on the Bills, and I don't want Bills fans to listen to this and go, oh, you know, that, that'd be unfair to our team. I think the Bills are the best team in that division. I do. I, I think... How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. The defense is real. I know they've actually gotten off to a slow start this year, but I really like the defense. I think the defense will be fine. Offensively, they have a lot of skill. Stefan Diggs, say what you want, first round pick, whatever. He can play. Mm-hmm. Okay. They've got pretty good backs. They they do lack tight end a little bit. Dawson Knox hasn't quite come on the way I thought he would this year, but they have good receivers. John Brown is one of the best deep threats in the game. Beasley, he's a crafty underneath receiver. They've got guys. They got a good line. Like, and I love McDermott. He's a great coach. Like, I, 
Mm-hmm. I think the Bills are really good. But my point is, look, if you want to sit there and say, are the Bills a playoff team? Then, yeah, go nuts. Party in the streets. Jump through a table if you're Bills Mafia, right? Like, you won the game. That's fine. Seven of the 16 teams now make the playoffs in each conference. I'm holding the Bills to a higher standard. You've made the playoffs two of the last three years. You got in last year. You frankly should have beaten the Texans in the wild card round. This mm-hmm. isn't about making the playoffs. If it's about making the playoffs, then yeah, sure, go ahead. Be thrilled. But if it's about really honest to God, challenging for Kansas City and Baltimore's places atop the AFC, then you got to show me more than that. You got to show me something more than that. I, I was very impressed at 28-3, but my God, you can't blow that lead and then walk away and go, yeah, but we won. Okay, great. I mean, that's great. You won the game, but holy crap. I mean, you, you gave up 29 unanswered points. That said, look, I think it's about an even money game with the Raiders. Um, I, I watched a lot of that Ravens or that Raiders game. Like Derek Carr is still Derek Carr. He's basically Alex Smith light, but and the defense is just abominable. But they have a lot of weapons, and they're at home. It's you know I, I think the, I think it's even money. I think Tennessee on the road's tough, mm-hmm. and Kansas City anywhere is tough. They get them at home on a Thursday night, but see this is where not having the crowd hurts. Yeah. Chiefs in a, in a packed stadium, crowd's going crazy. It's a ton of emotion. It's an empty stadium. Like, I, I don't know how much it matters if they're at home in that game. So, look, I'm a buyer on the Bills over the course of the year as a playoff team win the division. I'm not a buyer that they're going to have a winning record over the next three games. Well, we, the Bills, I think we can agree, they could be a playoff team. I don't see them contending and getting to the Super Bowls, mostly because they do have to get through Kansas City. But another team, that is very much a contender and very much could get to the Super Bowl and had another great week and is also 3-0, the Seattle Seahawks, 38-31 to over the Dallas Cowboys. They also had a little bit of a scare there at the end where they let the Cowboys come back. Looks like they're dominating. Also the beneficiary of a, a pretty suspect call. It came earlier in the game. But the Seahawks are 3-0. Russell Wilson, who this the let Russ cook narrative has reached a fever pitch. The Russ has never gotten an MVP vote. As insane as that is, that is now ingrained every single time that we talk about the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. But they look really, really good. And this is a team that we've consistently, and we've talked about this on Stack in the Boxes years ago. Uh, Pete Carroll's a good coach, but the defense is not great, and Russ can only do so much. They are mainstays in the playoffs. This year, it feels different. Verdam, do you think that they are the best team in the NFC, the class of the NFC? No, but I think they're like 1A. I, I like Green Bay actually right now. Mm. I think Green Bay is the most complete team. We'll talk about them here in a little bit. But I love the Seattle offense. I mean, I think the offense is the best in the NFC right now. Now, Carson, if he's hurt significantly, that hurts. Um, but, Will, I mean, Wilson's way, he's got 13 touchdown passes. And if, if Metcalf had decided to run on the one, he would have had 14. Wilson's been ridiculous. I mean, this reminds, reminds me of what Mahomes did in 2018. Mm-hmm. where you know, he had 13 touchdown passes in three weeks. It was like, oh, my God, nobody's ever going to stop this guy. Like, this is unbelievable. Look, Wilson's at the peak of his powers. The only reason I don't put you out at the top is their defense has just absolutely got off. I mean, they've given up almost 500 yards a game for three weeks. And, and the Pats, with all due respect to Bill Belichick and company, I, I mean, that offense is not exactly uh, the, the Air Coriel unit. They, they can't <laughs> throw for a foot. And they, only, they threw for almost 400 yards against Seattle. So that's why I do ding them a little. But I love 
the the offense. I love Wilson. Always have. I, I think. I mean, right now he's the best quarterback in football. But you could argue, you know, that'll change. Maybe Mahomes overtakes or whatever. But right now, he's got to be. He's playing better than yeah. anybody. He's been great. Um, I, I think if you're Seattle, you're thrilled. If Adams is out for any significant amount of time with that groin injury, that's a problem because he's about the only guy in that defense doing anything in the secondary. That mm-hmm. my concern with Seattle is at some point, and I don't care how great Wilson is, he's not throwing five touchdowns a game. And when that stops and he's throwing two to three, can that defense do anything to win games? Mm-hmm. Because I think we're talking about Seattle a lot differently right now. If Cam scores from the one yard line last week, if Mike McCarthy yeah. doesn't call a, a, an MF and screenplay. <laughs> in, in two minutes, I mean, what in God's name? That's one of those plays. The second it got called, and they started to run it. You're like, oh my God, don't even throw it. Just throw it 10 yards out of bounds. Don't do it. And then he checked it down, and Ezekiel Elliott got hit by about nine guys five yards behind the line of scrimmage. But now, look, if you're a Seattle fan, you're happy. You should be 3 0. They look great offensively. The quarterback, as, mm-hmm. as you said, they're letting them cook. So I think, I think right now, I mean, you've got to be thrilled. And they got some help with the Rams and the Cardinals both losing today. Yeah, and the flip side of that coin is, speaking of McCarthy, it very much feels like the Dallas Cowboys are what we've been talking about the Seattle Seahawks for years past, where they've got a really great quarterback who can be a transcendent talent. I mean, Dak Prescott deserves every single penny that the Cowboys aren't paying him for some reason. Yeah. But they're a historic collapse by the Falcons away from being 0-3. And this is not where we thought they were going to be. So if you're a Cowboys fan, I mean, what are, you, what are you doing right now? Besides tweeting that you think Mike McCarthy should be fired three games into his tenure. I'm sending a thank you note to Atlanta, and <laughs> I'm, I'm praying to God we can beat Cleveland, who's coming into town here week four. So that is going to be fascinating because um, God knows with Cleveland, you never, you never know what's going to happen. Mm. Uh, the Cowboys, here's the only saving grace for the Cowboys. The NFC East is the biggest dumpster fire I've ever seen. We're going to touch on that later here, but my God, is that division awful? So I think if you're Dallas, you're not happy, but you're like oddly kind of at peace because you're like, well, Philly sucks. Mm-hmm. The Giants and Washington aren't even football teams, so we're going to make the playoffs, but it, it's look, their defense is nothing to write home about either. They've stunk too. Yeah, that's it's, I mean, <laughs> Uh, nobody's nobody's crying too many tears for Cowboys fans, but we'll no. see how that ends up there. Um, but speaking of quarterbacks, we got two really, really good ones with Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. But it was a tale of different quarterbacks with the Chicago Bears and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Bears finally mercifully move on from Mitchell Trubisky, although Matt Nagy won't commit to Nick Foles moving forward. We all know that that's coming. But you've also got Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz in a situation there in which you noticed this during the game it doesn't seem like Doug Peterson trusts Carson Wentz which is very much what we saw from Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky and not trusting him in big situations but we've got the Bears going in one direction with Nick Foles and they come back from 26 to, uh, 10 to win and then we've got Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz and they tie the Cincinnati Bengals they can't even beat the Cincinnati Bengals Bertram, what's your read on those okay so first of all Matt Nagy needs to just man up and just say it, okay? As a fellow Matt, I'm ashamed. Nagy, it's over. <laughs> it's beyond over. And guess what? You told the world it's over when you benched Trubisky 
who, by the way, deserves to get benched. Like, oh, it's yeah. a weird thing to say about a team where the quarterback's on a 3-0 and outfit. He sucks. He's not why they're 3-0. trying to be nice and analytical. and He sucks. He cannot play quarterback. He cannot do it. The best play he had in the game was a 45-yard run where it looked like the Falcons basically just parted like the Red Sea to allow it to happen. Like, he is horrendous. And they sat him, and then Foles came in, and Foles led them on some comeback. And look, let's not, let's not lose sight of this yet. Foles isn't good either. Okay, no. but Foles at least, to his credit, has some wins in the NFL, and oh, by the way, won the Super Bowl. Like, Trubisky's not going to the Super Bowl without a ticket. Okay, so th- they might as well go with Foles at this point. Look, Foles is signed for three more years. Trubisky's gone after this season. There's no point. Like, just enough with the charade. I don't know why Matt Nagy won't just come out and say, look, we're done with it. With the, everybody that did, can you imagine the mutiny in that locker room if he steps up <laughs> to the podium tomorrow? I was like, yeah, you know what I thought about it. Mitch is getting another start. Alan Robinson might need to be hospitalized if they do that. So that's that. As far as the Eagles go, like I watched the end of the Eagles game and then through the overtime, mm-hmm. I'll go back and watch it over the course of the week, the whole game. W- Wentz was abominable. I mean, you know, look, and, and he's been bad the first two weeks, really bad at times. Um, there, there's, there's no way they're going to bench him because he signed. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. For like four more years, it might even be five more years. I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Forgive me, it's almost midnight on the East Coast. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm cooked. <laughs> um, but I know from doing the research, that basically the next two years, they're stuck with him. This year and next, they just yeah. there's no way. They, they have too much dead money to get rid of him. They're not going to move off of him for Jalen Hurts. They're not. It doesn't matter. They could go 0-15-1 this year. They're not going to sit him. But what it was telling to me, forget the stats for a second. So they score at the end of the game, about 30 seconds left in regulation. They're down 23-22 right after they score the touchdown. They kick the extra point, which I would like to have seen them go for two there. But okay, fine. You kick this point. You want to extend the game. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. They go to overtime. They get the ball. The first play on offense for Philadelphia in overtime, Wentz throws a ball right to Cincinnati's safety, Jesse Bates, who drops the ball. The rest of that overtime, Doug Peterson played as though giving the ball to Carson Wentz was a grenade without a pin. (laughs) He was so terrified of Wentz screwing it up. They were running draws and these little quick screens and these one-read BS things. And at the end of the game, they're lining up for a 59-yard field goal at Jake Elliott, like 17 seconds left. The Eagles jump off sides because they're the Eagles. So then it, it's an unmakeable field goal. It's fourth and 12 at midfield, and Doug Peterson punts. I mean, that's all you got to know. Like, that's yep. all you need to know about how they feel about co- all this crap that coaches spew at press conferences. It, that's exactly what it is. It's crap. Mm-hmm. You want to know how a guy really feels? Watch Doug Peterson with 17 seconds left punt the ball from midfield and overtime in a game they had to win. <laughs> That's all you need to know about what Doug Peterson thinks of Carson Wentz. Yeah, and dare I say it was Trubisky-esque. 
that full uh, that uh, Wentz was able to lead the oh, Eagles down the field because it seems like Trubisky's only good for one good play a game. He had that great play against the Lions in Week One, and then DeAndre Swift drops a touchdown. So if we're talking about sliding doors here with the Cowboys. There's we got sliding doors all over the place with the Bears, and then the Eagles. Yeah, you're in overtime and you got to get a win, and you're gonna punt. Come on, like what are we even Trubis- doing? Thank Trubisky- God there weren't fans there. Trubisky's like the buddy of yours in college who 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 has like the, this long-term girlfriend they're always on and off and it's because he forgets to get his girlfriend the gift like on her on her anniversary or for her birthday or for a holiday like you know it forgets like Valentine's Day and she leaves him but then like they get back together because of one out of those four occasions he remembers to get a gift and she's like all right one more chance one more chance and then <laughs> And they, but like, just that one gift out of four just keeps kind of like, like putting the line out there. Like, well, maybe that's Trubisky. Like, for three of the four quarters, he's in a flat out coma. And then, like, for one quarter, he shows up and throws for 150 yards. And then all the Bears fans are like, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's, di- no, no, back to the coma. So at this point, <laughs> it's time for Nagy to just move on and find someone who's not in a coma for three of the four quarters. And it was Wentz who also has played like he's in a coma. Unfortunately for the Eagles, they cannot move on. So enjoy that here as they go into week four. Well, we are moving on to two quarterbacks who don't nearly suck as much as those two do. And the game actually wasn't as bad as the other two games were, although the Bears game, depending on who you are, you may have enjoyed that. But the Sunday night game was very revealing for the NFC's picture because we talked about whether or not the Seahawks were the class of the NFC. And you like the Packers. And the Packers go into New Orleans, a quiet New Orleans. It's different. Like you were mentioning, there's no fans there. So if the yep. Superdome is packed, I think that this game maybe tilts a different way. But 37-30, to 30, the Packers are able to beat the Saints. Aaron Rodgers, three touchdowns. He looks great. Who knew all they needed to do was draft Jordan Love in the first round to motivate this guy <laughs> to, to go off? Not that he needed motivation, but I mean, look at that. So the... The Packers and the Saints, what's your, what's your takeaway from that one? Because it, it was a really great game, and I feel like we've got a read on the NFC now with these two teams. Yeah, Packers 37-30. to 30. Uh, Your buck sliding into a first place there in the NFC South. That's right. Uh, look, it's a big win from the standpoint. The Saints now are two back of the Packers, and they do not win the tiebreaker. So mm. that's, that's a hill to climb. That's a big hill to climb, and – the Saints have always been better at home. So long-term, I think that's the takeaway. The Packers and Bears are tied atop the NFC North, but Chicago is the softest 3-0 thing, team I've ever seen in my life. So I wouldn't worry too much if I'm a Packers fan. Look, to me, the takeaway was just the difference in the two quarterbacks. And if you look at their numbers in a box score, it's not radically different. But if you watch the game, it was. Oh, yeah. Rodgers playing with like you, me, and Carm as receivers. And almost threw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, over eight yards in attempt. Drew Brees' game plan was essentially to throw the ball to Alvin Kamara and then just eat popcorn. It was just, there was no downfield game. Everything was short. Everything was underneath. And that's fine here and there. But you're going to have to at some point push the ball. The other thing I'll say, and this has nothing to do with Brees other than the fact he was on the sideline for it. Sean Payton, I, I don't know like if Taysom Hill has pictures of him. <laughs> what's going sit his ass yeah. on the bench and be done with it? Like the Saints have this weird obsession with with Taysom Hill 
getting the like most important snaps of the game while their first ballot Hall of Famer's on the sideline. Look, enough of this crap. And then they fumble the ball because the exchange is, is wonky. And the Packers recover. And that was essentially, to me, there were two things that were the game. That, because the Saints were moving to score, and it was tied 27-27 at the time. They just got a huge fourth down stop on, the, on their side of the field. And then mm-hmm. the Packers go and kick a field goal. And the offense then comes out, and they play this really, really conservative three and out. Third and five was like this called wide receiver screen. It went nowhere. Look, Peyton's got to tell Breeze, we're opening it up. You need to throw the ball. And if they lose because Breeze is just totally washed up at 41, well, I got news for them. They're going to lose anyway. Because you're not going to beat these upper-tier teams with Breeze throwing the ball three yards downfield. It's not going to happen. I don't care how great Kamara is. I don't care how great Michael Thomas is when he's back. Like Teams eventually are just going to say, screw it. They're going to pack the middle of the field. They're going to play one single high safety and go, go ahead, Drew, beat us. Beat us anywhere down the field. So mm-hmm. you don't want to panic because I do think the Saints are talented. Um, but that is a concern. And you know, the Packers, look, I said earlier, I think the best team in the NFC right now. I think their defense is at least respectable. Their offense is 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 good to very good. Rodgers is playing great. Uh, and frankly, the conference right now just isn't that great. I mean, it's it's just there's a lot of question marks. I do like your Bucks, who who the last two weeks have played well. Um, I like them too. <laughs> yeah, you should. I mean, you know, Denver will do that. But listen, I, you know, so I think the NFC is is still certainly wide open. But the Packers have to feel really good where they are. Yeah, I feel like the the Saints too are very good at adjusting week to week. Like this has been the case with them for a couple of years now. But then again, they don't have any Super Bowls to show for it. And how many times have we sat here and said, the Saints are the best team. The Saints are going to go to the Super Bowl. It's right. Chiefs Saints in the Super Bowl. And if we were saying that again, you know, before this season, and I'm still sticking to that. I think the Saints, much like the Patriots, until they seriously prove, like if they are not there in the playoffs, that is when I'm going to say, okay, now this isn't working anymore. But to that point too about home field, because the big thing with this game here was, yeah, Rodgers was great. We still have questions about Breeze and the Saints. But that tiebreaker and that home field advantage in this COVID season, now we're starting to you know trickle fans in, but it's not going to be anywhere near full capacity, and we're not going to have that 12th man like we used to. Is it that important that the Saints don't have home field advantage, that the Packers do, that these teams do have that top seed? Because the playoffs are structured differently, so that top seed's a little bit more important from that regard. But is home field advantage a little bit less important this year because, I mean, Sunday night, the Packers are able to go in there and put up 37 points, and that place is quiet. It's not quiet if, you know, that place is full. Depends who you are. If you're the Packers, yeah, you want to be at home because, you you know, if you're in New Orleans, you want to go to Lambeau in January? The weather still shows up. (laughs) COVID's not stopping that. So to me, and that's a great question, though, because we're going to talk about Monday Night Football here in one second, and I'll kind of maybe segue into this. I don't know that the Kansas City-Baltimore game means a ton. And mm-hmm. I know that sounds really odd. And yes, you'd rather be the one seed, of course, because you don't have to play an extra game in the playoffs, and, and I, I understand all that. But in terms of home feel, I don't think it matters a ton because Kansas City and Baltimore, like the climates aren't that different. Like Baltimore mm-hmm. could go into Kansas City and win in January, and Kansas City could go to Baltimore and win a road game. Yeah. If you were in New Orleans and you got to go play in Green Bay in January, like that to me is a big deal because of the weather. If you're Indianapolis and you got to go play in Kansas City or Baltimore, that's hard in the winter, especially, you know, like these teams that are in domes 
yeah. like, like, a, like a Colts team. So I think that's that's a much harder thing. Like if you're Buffalo, does it really matter? Like you know, you're you're in Buffalo. Like you're freezing now. Does it matter? <laughs> so I, and the other thing, you know, we don't know how COVID's going to play out. I, I, you know, none of us yeah. do, but you are seeing fans starting to trickle in. Mm-hmm. That's four months from now, right? Or three and a half months from now. I, I'll tell you right now, Kansas City's putting twenty percent of, of people in the stands. If there's not a super spreader event, you watch that place have 60,000 people on a playoff game. You think the Chiefs care? Like, right, wrong, whatever. I'm telling you right now, if they don't have a super spreader event, God knows Kansas City and and other cities like Dallas are just going to be like, you know what? Eh, What the hell? Put them all in there. We'll hope for the best. Here, wear a mask. uh, So, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but I think for right now, yeah, it's still valuable. All right. Let's look into the future, then. That's a good segue for that. And a team that is pretty interesting in the AFC, but I don't know if I buy them yet. I want your opinion on what you think. The Tennessee Titans, they beat the Minnesota Vikings 31-30, to but they have to claw their way back. And then they have the benefit of Kirk Cousins being the one that needed to lead a game-winning drive, which, I mean, we've called him with tons of heist for a reason. Like, that guy has gotten way too much more money than he's owed for the performance that he's given the Vikings. But for the Titans... Do you take them seriously as a legitimate contender in the AFC? I take them seriously as a favorite to win their division and a team that in the playoffs, if you catch them on the wrong week, they could beat you. Mm. The problem is, and this is, came up with Buffalo, is to be a real contender in the AFC, that says beating the Chiefs, beating the Ravens. Now, to be fair, they ear the Ravens last year in the playoffs. That wasn't like one of those games you're like, well, you know, the Ravens really outplayed them. The Titans beat the hell out of the Ravens. Oh, yeah. My problem with the Titans is they've beaten three teams that are combined one and eight right now, and they've won by six points total. Like, all those games could have gone the other way. Now, they missed a million kicks against Denver. That's fair. Okay. But the defense has been inconsistent. I don't know how much of the Titans I think. I, I think the Titans are like a 10-win team. I think they're good. I think they're a good, solid team. I do not think that they're very likely to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I don't think so either. I think that the Titans, look, like you said, they're not a bad team. And it seems like it's a very gritty team. It's a very Mike Vrabel team. Like that, To his credit, yeah. he's put his stamp on that. On, on the Titans, and you know exactly what you're going to get, and you're getting a pretty decent football team, but you're not getting a Super Bowl winner. I mean, you know, they would have done that last year. I mean, they had the Chiefs in a perfect spot, and they weren't able to close out. Now, the Chiefs are a generational team, but hey, you have to go through them. It's the same way like the Warriors in the NBA. Like, look, it sucks that they're that good, but be better, and I don't think that the Titans can be, and I think Ryan Tannehill I think we're going to come up on the other side of that at some point. Like, it's going to come down to a game where is Ryan Tannehill going to be the difference maker on the field? Is he going to be better than Patrick Mahomes? And I don't think in any universe, Ryan Tannehill is going to be better than Mahomes. And we've seen you have to be better than him. In the Super Bowl last year, the 49ers were better than the Chiefs the entire game, but they weren't better than Mahomes. They weren't better than that one throw. And that's the difference. And I don't think the Titans are ever going to reach that level. They'll, they'll, they'll throw in some good games. And I think they're going to have a little bit of like what the Miami Heat are doing right now, where everybody thought that the Bucs were going to get to the finals. Everybody thought that the Celtics were going to get to the finals. And the Heat were like, nah, 
we don't think so. That, no, that's we're nice, going to lose in the finals. <laughs> we're we're going to be wreckers. I think that the Titans can do like what they did last year against the Ravens and be a little bit of a wrecker in the playoffs. But that's really the the limit of how good that they can be. Which you know it's entertaining, but it's frustrating if you're a Titans fan. Well, we're going to find out a lot about the Titans because next week they host the Steelers, three and zero and three and zero. Whoever wins that game is feeling real good about themselves. And look, whoever loses, you're still three and one. You're fine. But whoever yeah. wins that game really feels good. And Pittsburgh's kind of been the same boat. And I, and I was huge on Pittsburgh coming into the year. Uh, and, and I'm still high on them, but they've kind of played so, so ball to this point, yep. even though they're 3-0. So, very big game next week in Tennessee. Big game. Uh, another big game for a couple of guys here, but for the completely opposite reasons. Adam Gase and Dan Quinn, uh, their seat's getting a little bit hotter. Hot, hot, hot for Adam Gase. Dan Quinn, back-to-back weeks of just obliterating his own lead against the Cowboys, and then he does it against the Bears. So do we finally see the end of Adam Gaze and Dan Quinn this week? J-E-T-S. Just end the season. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has a food. very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms <laughs> um i don't think quinn's gone uh because arthur blank just has this weird like no. be- beholdence to him you could have fired him last year it was one in seven to start the year they didn't do it they finished strong uh they don't have a bye week till week 10 so hmm. i i kind of think he's gonna stick around at least for a little while longer i don't know if he quite gets to the bye week to have Raheem Morris on the staff, who is a former head coach. He could come in and be the interim guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, it's been ugly. I mean, it, and if you're the Falcons, it's so frustrating because you should be 2-1. and one. Like, yep. it's not. Like, the Jets, who I'm going to get to here in a second, are obviously a completely different story. The Falcons, they should be going away at 2-1. and one. They'd be tied with the Bucs. The NFC South is wide open. They look great. Nope. Can't finish it out. And the most shocking thing there is just that he's a former defensive coordinator. Yep. I mean, you, you can't polish off a 16-point lead. you got to be kidding me, especially against the Bears. My God, what a disgrace. But look, the Jets, I have a different opinion. Now. I do think Gase will survive till week four because they played Thursday night football against the Broncos. I will make this prediction. If the Jets lose at home to Denver and Brett Ripien or Jeff Driscoll or whoever the hell is playing quarterback for Denver, Okay, maybe it'll be me by Thursday. If they lose to Denver on Thursday night, I think Gase is gone. I think Greg Williams will be will be given the, the interim tag. They will play out the 12 games. Everybody and their mother will be fired out of New York after that, and they'll start fresh. I don't know how you go down this road to Gase anymore. I mean, this is impossibly bad. Impossibly. They scored against Indianapolis today seven points, a 36-7 loss. Their offense gave up 16 points. That's impossible. How are you that bad? It's Look, all I'll tell you is this. As a Chiefs fan, those boys come rolling into town week eight. Oh, boy. And I'm not kidding. If the Chiefs are healthy and playing the way they can play, that's going to be a 24-point spread by the time they play them. Oof. And I would take the, I would take the Chiefs. I'd lay the points. 
That's the kind of a game that could be 58-3. But oh, in any event, God. I don't want to get it off topic. I, I think Gase will be gone by then. <laughs> I think Quinn will stick around uh, at least for a few more weeks. I th- yeah, I think yeah, Gase, Gase is going to be the first the head coach part. Like, if you can get good odds on betting that, I would smash that because it's, it's a foregone conclusion at this point. Joe Douglas is going to do whatever he wants with that team, yep. and as he should because it seems like he's going to be able to put something together that's – look. Anybody can put something together that's better than what the Jets have right now. But I think Gaze is definitely going to be the first one going. I I actually think, like you said, Arthur Blank is like weirdly loyal to Dan Quinn to an extreme fault because he should have gotten rid of him last year. And maybe we're not in this situation that we're in right now where the Falcons are just a complete dumpster fire and a directionless franchise. But I think he might stick with him through the end of the year because of that weird loyalty. And also, you're going to go with Raheem Morris over Dan Quinn, let me tell you, as a Bucks fan, that is not an upgrade. And, and not even as a it's interim coach. That is a cliff. Homer Simpson more gracefully dove off cliffs than the Falcons would be going over if they go to Raheem Morris. I do want that, though, just so I want a revival of Youngry because that's just been seared into my mind, the Youngry Bucks. And Raheem Morris, you're going to promote your defensive coordinator, the guy who's giving up these big leads. Like Dan Quinn's doing it, too, because he's, like you said, a defensive coach. But I'm not necessarily giving Raheem Morris the keys to this franchise at any point. If this ship's going down, let Dan Quinn go down with it. There's no reason to involve anybody else in this. It's a disaster. And Atlanta fans have just really seen enough. And now, like, Atlanta fans also get the baseball playoffs, (laughs) which as an Oakland fan and you being a Twins fan, we all know the pain of October and how that ends. I look forward to the Braves who are, by the way, getting the Reds, who, if you are a baseball fan out there, you know, are about the hottest team on earth, okay? <laughs> yeah. And have more pitching than they know what to do with. And the Braves just stumbled ass backwards into getting the Reds for three games. Uh, yeah, it's a rough moment if you're an Atlanta fan. Oh, yeah, Trevor Bauer is going to rough them up something fierce. So buckle up for that, Atlanta. Things are not getting better anytime soon. But a team that is getting better... And the future is very bright for them. And I'm wondering if the present is bright. We might not have to wait that long. The Arizona Cardinals, they lose to the Detroit Lions in a weird rematch of last year's week one tie game. Uh, Matt Patricia, broken clock is right twice a day. So he's able to do something right. So they win his job. Right. But the Cardinals, the takeaway from this is they're still a really good team, in my opinion. But to you, Verderam, are they good enough? to make the playoffs this year? Do they arrive this year with Kyler Murray and that air raid offense? I think they are going to make the playoffs. And, and look, uh, now I've been telling Carm every single week of, the, of this podcast, I feel like, that I think they're going to be a playoff team this year. Or I, I should say, I've been telling him that I think they're going to be in contention. They were my sleeper mm-hmm. team this entire way. Um, I looked at the schedule going into this week and thought to myself, this is a weirdly a hard game for them because they're two and zero. They pounded on on Washington. They beat the Niners on the road. Now you get lowly Detroit coming in here, who hasn't won a game in forever. They had the longest losing streak coming into the week in eleven games, dating back to last year. Obviously, Matt Patricia was looking like the uh, the the last leg of that triangle of, of Adam <laughs> Gase uh, and Dan Quinn. And that's a that typical game that a young team that's not really had success before loses. 
They mm-hmm. look at the Lions and they go, oh, come on, we're, we're going to kill that team. And then all of a sudden you're going, oh, my God, how the hell did we lose that game? I think the Cardinals are good. They play the Panthers this week in Carolina. It's a tough trip all the way across the country, but I think they bounce back. I think Arizona's legit. I think I, the Cardinals, I don't think they win the Super Bowl or anything, but I think they're a good, solid 9-10 to 10 win team. I, I love them in Carolina. I thought this would be a tough game because I thought they might overlook Detroit, and they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still high on Kyler and company. Yeah, I, I love the Cardinals. I was dying on this hill in the offseason that this was a team that you need to start investing stock in. And let me tell you, the Matt LaFleur stock that I have is aging very well. So my tips here, they're working out. So pay attention and the Cardinals invest your stock there. But I do have three games. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs this year. I agree that they'll be in contention, or at least they should be. I've got them at nine and seven going the rest of the way here. But I got three prove-it games to me that I'm going to be very interested in seeing how they perform, and I'm going to have a lot of takeaways from that. It's going to be lessons learned. But they get the Cowboys in week six. They get the Seahawks, their first matchup against the Seahawks this year in week seven. And then they get the Bills in week 10. Those are three games where we're talking about this young team. They're looking to to put some notches on their belt, to get some big wins under them, to really get some confidence. Those are three games where if they're playing the Bills close, if they're right up there against the Seahawks, which they've played them close before, but now this is like a fully formed rivalry and then the cowboys if they can just beat the doors off the cowboys and expose them as frauds you're going to grab a lot of attention around the league with the cardinals being taken seriously as a contender no definitely true um i gotta give it to deandre hopkins i think the guys performed the very anybody could really expect considering he must have tears in his eyes from just sobbing (laughs) uh, just 24 hours a day out of out of joy that he's no longer in houston um but they, you know, they, they've got a lot of guys between Hopkins mm-hmm. and Kenyon Drake and Larry Fitz who's still putting up numbers. Kyler looks great. Um, the defense has at least been pretty good, which is surprising, frankly. I thought they'd be terrible defensively. They've been okay. Um, it's a young team. I expect ups and downs. I expect mm-hmm. games where they win and everybody's kind of surprised. And I expect another game or two like this this year where they, they lose some game, they shouldn't lose, but they don't focus. Sometimes you got to go through those years. But I, mm-hmm. I really I think the Cardinals are on the up and up. Yeah, and credit to Vance Joseph, too, the Cardinals defensive coordinator who's really turned it on there. Uh, speaking of another team that's on the up and up and way more advanced, or at least should be way more advanced as far as being Super Bowl contenders. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm now finally proud to say it. I don't have to cower and be afraid and shameful of my fandom for the Buccaneers. Calm down. They, they roll the Denver Broncos right off of the Rocky Mountains. It is a great turnaround from what we saw them start the season with against the Saints, where they really tough game and everybody's dunking on Tom Brady. That was 20 years of Tom Brady rage just getting worked out of everybody's system. But now the Bucs seem to have turned it around. Brady looks good. He's finding some chemistry with Chris Godwin and, and Mike Evans, although Godwin's got some injury concerns. So that's going to be something to pay attention to. But in your opinion, Bergeram, are the Bucs finally ready to roll now that they're 2-1 and one and they've got some juice up behind them? Yeah, I, I think they're going to be really good. I mean, like I... I said on any radio show I went on, I feel like before the year, everybody asked me what I thought of the box, and I said the exact same thing. I thought the first month would be a little bit rough because they had to get to know each other. There's a lot of moving parts. But then I felt like, yeah, look, 
they're really talented. Like they're going to win games. Brady's not going to go there and go six and ten. Like that's not going to be happening. I thought by the time they hit the playoffs, they'd be a real threat, and I feel that way now. Look, they beat the hell out of Denver. Now Denver at this juncture is is basically featuring a JV squad. <laughs> but but credit to Tampa for blowing them out. Like that's what yeah. you're supposed to do. When you play bad teams, you're supposed to thrash them. Well, they did. Now they go home and get a Chargers team that just lost to the Panthers. Herbert has played reasonably well. But the, the Bucks, the, the hidden thing, and not to you because you watch them all the time, you live and die with them, but for most people, yeah. the hidden thing with the Buccaneers is they're really good defensively. Like, yeah. I, I think people look at them and they, you know, all, the, all the star power, at least most of it is on the offense, right? So you think of Brady, you think of Gronk, even though Gronk has been a hood ornament this year. You think of Godwin and Evans, you think of the tight ends. Arians is an offensive coach. You don't think about the defense because really it's Shaq Barrett and then, you know, Levante David. But, you know, th- those guys are not in the same category household name-wise. It's like an Aaron Donald or a J.J. Watt. Yeah. So you don't think about them that way. But the Bucks are really good defensively. I, I think the Bucks look the- – to me right now, I would put the Bucks in that Seahawks-Green Bay class as the teams that are playing the best. I know they yeah. lost to the Saints in week one. I get that. A lot of weird stuff happens in week one. And that is a hard game. It's a really look, as yeah. much as the Saints have been weird. And by the way, the Saints belong in that class too, if they can just start to play to, to standard. Um th- th- there's no shame in losing to New Orleans. Like especially week one when you're basically just introducing yourselves to each other. So I think the Bucs are really good. I expect them to beat the Chargers this upcoming week. Uh that's a killer loss for the Chargers, by the way. You fall to one and two. And now you got to go play Tampa, and all of a sudden you're probably one and three, and, and things are starting to snowball. Um, yeah, I, I like your Bucks a lot. I think they're in great shape. Yeah, I like them too, and I, they, because of the defense, like the offense is what it is. It's going to figure itself out, but the defense finally has a quarterback that it isn't going to hold it back. It's a lot like the Bears. The Bears' defense seems like it's got wasted potential because it was always trying to break even with Trubisky, with Winston, with Jameis Winston. I mean, you can only be so good when you're starting every single defensive drive on your own 20. Like, there's only so much you can do. Now Brady's a little bit more turnover reverse, so that you're going to have a little bit better field position defensively, and Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator. So we're going to see that unit really come together. I'm excited to see that. And just like the Cardinals, they got a couple of prove-it games for me. They've got the Packers in Week 6. That's going to be big. The rematch with the Saints in Week 9. Both teams are going to be very different than the last time that we saw them. And then they get the Rams in week 11. And then your Chiefs in week 12 before they go into a bye week. And those games are important because the Rams and the Chiefs will probably be very, very good and playoff contender. The Chiefs for sure, but the Rams definitely more than likely be playoff contenders at that point. Out of that bye week, the Bucks get the Vikings, the Falcons, the Lions, the Falcons. They will coast into the playoffs. So you boys have a month and a half of a bye week. Oh, yeah. It's, it's totally fine. <laughs> By the way, I wrote this in my column. This is a shameless plug, but I got to say, I, I enjoyed writing this line. Uh, excuse me. I wrote it actually in my power rankings. It come out Tuesday, but I, I'm working ahead a little bit today. Um, the Jets, I meant to say this earlier, but the Jets are like right now, if you get them on the schedule, it's kind of like when you play Monopoly and you land on free parking. <laughs> like you did nothing to deserve it, but you just get 75 bucks. Oh, God. That's what it's like right now playing the Jets, but also like some of these other teams. I was doing my power rankings. The Lions jumped eight spots in my power rankings. The Lions are terrible. Oh, yeah. But they jumped eight spots because so many teams in the league right now have no wins. Like, it was just, I, was, I didn't realize it until I was doing the power rankings. 
I was like, oh my God, like Minnesota mm-hmm. is a tire fire. And they're like 24th in my power rankings because all these other teams are like just stacked up behind them. Yeah, that, that's a nice stretch for you guys late in the year. Oh, it, it, it's going to be nice. So looking into the future, I'm very excited about where the Bucks are going to go because historically they let me down. Like you said, the Twins fandom and everything, I'm used to being hurt. So I'm yep. looking for the Bucks to get upset there and that's going to throw off their playoff run. But we'll see. We both like the Bucks. So that's finally feels like a blast from the past. But Bertram, I want to ask you if you're in or out on a couple of things here as we move on in this wonderful edition, this carmless edition of stacking the box. Um, the Chiefs and the Ravens, you kind of touched on this earlier in the in the pod about the home field. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. You know me. I'm a huge football fan, but it can be stressful for us super fans. So Progressive is going to help take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how your team threw the wrong ball on the wrong net, just think about how Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Well, hope this distraction about Progressive's Home Court Explorer was helpful. It sure helped me from stressing about my team for a bit. Anyway, go sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. ...advantage and it being a little bit different. But is this an inevitability that we're just going to get the Chiefs and the Ravens in the AFC championship game. We thought that last year. And like we said, the Titans decided to play home wrecker. But this year, is this going to be an AFC championship game preview on Monday night football? Yeah, I'm in. Look, I, I know last year, everybody this time of year thought it was going to be the chiefs and the pats. Mm. And that obviously did not come to pass. And then it became like, Oh, it'll be Ravens pats. Nope. Then it'll be, you know, it's just things change. <laughs> it's NFL. Um, I don't think it's going to change this year. The two quarterbacks are just too good. The teams are too well coached. And the rest of the conference, just there's, you could argue Buffalo, Pittsburgh, look, and, and those are fine teams. But if Kansas City and Baltimore are healthy and they're playing just reasonably well, those teams are so much better than anybody else that mm-hmm. I don't see it. I really don't see it. And look, Kansas City's division is not good. The Chiefs are going to win that division. Baltimore has Pittsburgh to challenge, but I, I think Baltimore. Uh, at least at this juncture, has the upper hand. Um, I, I just, man, <laughs> I, 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 I got to be frank. I got to be honest. I think on Monday night, I think Baltimore is going to hand it to Kansas City in this game. I do. Because it means more to Baltimore. They're at home. They mm-hmm. have not beaten the Chiefs yet with this current iteration of the two teams. The Chiefs have won both matchups over the last couple of years. The Ravens have not won a playoff game yet. If Lamar Jackson wins this game, it is the biggest win of his career to this point. Unequivocally. It's not even an argument. It's the biggest win of his career. If Mahomes wins this game, it's like not even a top three win for him. Who cares? (laughs) I mean, he doesn't care. And I I don't want to say maybe he personally doesn't care because I'm sure to him, you know, he lost out on the MVP to Jackson last year and there's all that. But like, if you're Mahomes, you win the Super Bowl. Like, you, you came back from 24 nothing down in the playoffs. Like, you came back in, in the AFC title game from two 10-point deficits. You went toe-to-toe with Brady in an AFC title game. Like, you excuse the language, you don't give a shit if you beat Baltimore in week mm-hmm. three. He did it last year. He beat Baltimore <laughs> in week three. Like, so, I just, I hate to say it, and, and I want to be clear, I don't think it's an indication that Kansas City's not better than Baltimore. I got to be honest. I actually think the Chiefs schematically match up really well with Baltimore because Baltimore loves to blitz and the Chiefs just annihilate teams at blitz. Oh, yeah. But I think it's more of a question of emotion 
I think Baltimore is going to come out really, really, really fired up for this game. And Kansas City is just going to kind of be like, yeah, our division blows, like, whatever. <laughs> and if we have to go to Baltimore in January, we're fine with it. I got to be honest. I don't think it's even the worst thing in the world, regardless of who loses, if they get their teeth kicked in on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Because these two teams have combined to win 25 of their last 26 games. They're on a combined 22-game regular season win streak. Like, if one of them loses, God knows they're probably going to see each other again. And yeah. then that team, whoever lost, is going to have motivation through the roof when they see each other. I, look, I think Baltimore wins this week. I just think that the, the emotional part of it will override what I think, honestly, is a schematic advantage the Chiefs have. But I do think they'll see each other third weekend of January. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And my longstanding hope has been based on Lamar Jackson isn't going to get worse this year. Like we talked about this last year and we thought that no. yeah, this isn't just a Jackson exclusive to Lamar Jackson. Like these quarterbacks who do really well one year typically have a slump the next year, but this is not a typical season. Like teams have not had a normal off season to try and prepare for Lamar Jackson. So he's catching guys flat footed. He's gotten better as a passer, which nobody expected him to do, or at least not many people expected him to get as good of a passer as he seems to be this early in the season. So I really think that this slump, if Jackson's going to endure one, I think he might, it's been delayed by this weird COVID off season and this weird COVID season. Jackson might take a slip next year, but it's not going to be this year. And I hope that we get that championship game because this is, this is Brady Manning. This is for this generation, Lamar Mahomes. I want to see this as much as I can with the stakes being as high as possible. I mean, just inject that right into my veins every single week. Yeah. And look, I'll, I'll drop this topic with this, and then we can zoom through the rest of it because I know we're running a little long. Look, I, uh, I will say one thing about this game. If you're a Ravens fan, you better not let Kansas City get out in front in this game. This is, it's the only thing I'll say because the one thing about the Ravens, they kind of have to play a certain way. They want to get yep. out in front, run the ball, play action off that. They want to they blitz like crazy. They led the league in blitz percentage last year, the third right now behind Pittsburgh and Buffalo. If Kansas City gets out front and they turn this into a game where they can just tell Jones and Clark to just go after it and they don't have to worry as much about the run, then it becomes much more interesting. I I just, like I said, I actually think Kansas City schematically is in great shape. The problem is I think Baltimore is going to be amped up emotionally. I think they'll get out in front by a big margin, then they'll be able to play the way they want to play. I think the Chiefs will make it a game, but I don't think they'll be able to finish it off. That said, the one equalizer in this game is what I said earlier. If Mahomes mm-hmm. is just furious that he, that people think Lamar Jackson's better than him, I'm telling you right now, that top 100 list with the NFL, when, when he was ranked fourth and Jackson God. was number one, I guarantee you on the flight out to Baltimore, they were playing that on a loop in front of Mahomes. Like, that is the one thing in this game you wonder if Mahomes just goes out of his mind and throws for like 400 yards and just wills them to the win. But no matter what, it should be a great game, and I think we're going to be seeing it twice this year. All right, Verdram, I want to read you one of the saddest stats that I've seen recently in the NFL. The NFC East, the Washington football team is 1-2, and two, and they are in first place, and it seems like it's not particularly close. So, in or out, and the team is going to win the NFC East with a losing record. I'm out because I think Dallas will win some inter- interdivisional games, but God almighty. <laughs> I mean, 
What a disgrace. The Giants, you know, you know who's benefiting the most from the Jets? The Giants. <laughs> because nobody's talking about them as they just roll by with the dumpster just it's in fuego outside now. I mean, the Giants are the second worst professional football team in America, and they're the best team in their stadium. <laughs> so they're thrilled, but they're still they're still terrible. The Eagles stink, the football team stinks. Um I'll say Dallas goes nine and seven and wins that division. But I gotta tell that division is atrocious. God Almighty is that division bad. I really want Dallas. I'm 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 in on this. I want Dallas to win the division with a losing record. I want the Washington football team, the football team, to win that division because I need maximum chaos in my life. And also, I'm just praying. Like, I don't think the Bucs are gonna get the one seed, but give me that matchup in the first or second round. Like, give, give me Washington. If you're a playoff team in the NFC and you see that, we're talking about the Jets being the free space on a bingo card. Imagine getting Washington in the first round of the playoffs. Like, wow, no effort required there. That's, that's insane. That, that, would be, uh, that would be a nice way to start the playoffs. But uh, I, I <laughs> a think... A de facto buy. Yeah, seriously. That would, that would not be bad. I mean, there, that division, that division is not good. It, no, it's, it's very much not good. But something that is very good is Russell Wilson, who we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. And again, the constant conversation around him is he's not received one MVP vote. Blame Chris Collinsworth for not getting his ballot in on time. I would have never admitted to that. So thanks, Chris, for being more of a man than I am in that regard. But in or out, Russell Wilson finally wins the MVP award that has eluded him like he eludes defenders on Sunday. I mean, look, right now, you, you have to be in. Now, over the course of a season, uh, I'm out in the sense that it's just so early, but mm-hmm. 13 touchdown passes to this point, they're 3-0. and And there's kind of that, look, MVPs are based off narratives as much as they are based off of, of statistics, right? Like two years ago, no, statistically, Mahomes deserved it. He threw 5,000 yards at 50 touchdowns yeah. at a number one seed, but Mahomes was just the, it was like the year of Mahomes. Everything was about Mahomes that season. Everything, even the games he lost. I mean, people think of that Rams game and that Monday night game where Mahomes was out of his mind. Last year it was Lamar, right? Like Lamar didn't throw for much more than, I think, 3,200 yards, but it was like this footnote because he was just so electric that that's all anybody cared about. But now there's this storyline of like, ah, Russell Wilson's underrated, which I don't know that I totally agree with that. Like, I feel like Russell Wilson, like people know that he's great. I don't know anyone who's a real football fan who's like, oh, Wilson, I don't know if he's top 10. Like, to me, right now, the three, if you said to me, you have to win the Super Bowl tomorrow, so, you know, same team, no matter who you pick, who are you taking as a quarterback? Mahomes would be my number one pick, but then Mm -hmm. I would take Wilson and then I would take Rodgers. Like to me, and that's something against Lamar. It's just that those three guys, to me, if you got into a game, we got to throw the ball over the place. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, so right now, as far as, like, power ranking the MVP po- candidates, I mean, Wilson's got a huge lead at number one. But it is early. You're a Bucks fan. You remember when Fitzy was in there doing his thing. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, oh, now, yeah. Granted, we all expected Fitzy to fall off. I don't expect that out of Wilson. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you know, guys get hot for three, four weeks, and they tail off. But certainly right now, Wilson's playing great, and I'm happy to see it because he is a phenomenal player who deserves that kind of consideration. Yeah, I'm I'm in on this. I think he finally gets his MVP, and I think part of this, too, is 
the Drew Brees angle of this, where Drew Brees has never won an MVP. And this is an incredible thing. He's probably going to finish his career. I don't think this is his last season. He'll finish his career without winning an MVP, which seems completely criminal. But this idea that Russell Wilson's underrated, I like how this has gone mainstream. I forget where I read this, but it was like hipster football Twitter has been all over let Russ cook and all of this. And then hearing Chris Collinsworth say that on national television is like hearing your dad come around to like, you know, cool music or something like that. You're like, oh boy, okay, this is done. You know, (laughs) your parents have discovered TikTok. So what's the new thing? But yeah, Russell Wilson... If his underappreciation has gone mainstream, if that gets him an MVP, then so be it. It's, it's long overdue. There is nothing worse in the world. And I don't care if I sound like an old man. I'm 32. I'm getting there. <laughs> there is nothing worse than, than hipster NFL Twitter and all these idiots who scream nonstop. I mean, you, you should have seen my time. I'm assuming you probably looked at your timeline when – all day today, it's 28-3 in Buffalo, and people are like writing me a culpas, you know, like, oh, Josh Allen, I'm so sorry. And then 20 minutes later, they're all trashing him that he's garbage. <laughs> and like running backs don't matter unless it's Alvin Kamara, then it does matter. And I, like, just shut up. You're all just in the moment idiots, which look, look, we're all in the moment idiots, but have yeah. enough wherewithal to just not tweet about it all day, every second of the day. Like, it's fine to just shut up and wait for things to end. It's fine. Like, I learned that lesson over my year. Like, just I, I very rarely <laughs> in-game tweet unless I'm dunking on like Adam Gase because that's a safe bet. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you get these people who are like, like one play gets made and they're like, oh, this guy's the truth. And then like four plays later, the guy's on the bench for a month. Uh, it's, uh, God, I, I, I have a lot of issues with NFL Twitter, especially on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I look forward, by the well, way, speaking- if the Ravens are Chiefs, if one of them gets blown out tomorrow night, I look forward to the absolute one million oh, yeah. degree takes come Monday night and Tuesday morning that whatever team loses is really overrated and washed. And then that team's that's that team ends up blowing like fourteen and two this year. I, I look forward to those opinions. Oh yeah, I, I actually hope the Chiefs lose just so I can see Go to NFL hell. Twitter eat itself. Well, I, I'll get sick satisfaction out of it because now that the Chiefs are on top. I don't feel so bad knocking the Chiefs down a peg, but yeah, and NFL Twitter going nuts, eating itself with its uh, trying to justify Patrick Mahomes. Is Mahomes actually good? Like that, yeah, it's like, God is he going to earn his whole contract? Like that'll be a first take topic. Mahomes worth five hundred million, and then and then like the thirteen game following, he'll throw for like five thousand yards. But yeah, I look forward to it. It'll be a good time. Yeah, Mahomes isn't clutch anymore. Buckle up for that one. Uh, speaking of things that refuse to end. Uh, Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger's reign in Pittsburgh refuses to end. It's clinging on. And as you said, you you never know what you're going to get with them. It seems like they're always flying by the seat of their pants, but they're always there. They're always present. So in or out, Bergeron, that Pittsburgh is a real challenger for Baltimore in the AFC. So I'm kind of torn here. And and I'll give a a brief synopsis of why. So I was all over Pittsburgh in the offseason, and I picked Pittsburgh to win the division. I liked them quite a bit. And today they beat the, the Texans. They came back. They were, they were trailing in the fourth quarter. They won 28-21. Um, you know, Roethlisberger, 237, only averaged six and a half yards in attempt. Didn't have a turnover. Uh, Connor ran for 109 yards. The team ran for 169. Mm-hmm. The Steelers have been wildly inconsistent this year. Like, they barely beat Jeff Driscoll at home. Uh, and, then, and then in this game against the Texans, 
like Watson played well. They they did they did force a pick. Um and then there was like this um there was like David Johnson running for twenty three yards. Yeah. So I like the Steelers, but right now the way the teams are playing, Baltimore looks substantially better. So at, at the, I'm still in, frankly, because of my prediction, and I think the Steelers are going to kind of get in. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We got to go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Groove. Uh, but I, I could certainly understand out because the, the Steelers have been so inconsistent and the Ravens, at least through two games, have looked like absolute world beaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, I get the same feeling from Pittsburgh that I get from you know the Saints and from the Patriots, these teams that they have to really prove that it's done and it's over for us to you know have the funeral. And everybody loves prematurely having the funeral. Like we just talked about NFL Twitter. Like how many times have we buried the Patriots? Now look at them. I mean, with Cam Newton and with, with Bill Belichick, he's going to scheme everybody out of their game because he's the greatest coach of all time. And now he's got Cam Newton to completely change his offense. Can't count him out. But we all buried him in the offseason. Same thing with the Patri- or the uh, Steelers. They're good for one of these games every single year where it's just like this game and the Broncos game where it's like, oh, man, this is it. Look, they just played terrible. The defense isn't as good as we thought it was. It's TJ Watt and maybe nobody else is really up to his level. This is the Steelers. This is how they play. It's gritty. It's not pretty. But they're always going to be there and they're going to be in the hunt. I don't know if they're better than – Baltimore, though, I think that those are going to be good games. If there is a roadblock between here and getting to an AFC championship game, that's Chiefs uh, Ravens. I think the Steelers are that roadblock. I think the Steelers, if they get them in the playoffs, I agree. That's going to be tough because that's an entirely different environment, and the Steelers are going to be hungry to prove people wrong. And again, how many times in the past couple of years have we said this? Mike Tomlin. If we're talking about underrated with Russell Wilson. Yeah, Mike Tomlin might be one of the most underrated or underappreciated head coaches in the NFL because year in and year out, he takes that team and completely makes them a better product. Like, look at the Antonio Brown thing. Like, as soon as he leaves the locker room, the lid pops off and all of the snakes come out, those little fake snakes in the pop can that come out. That's coming out of Antonio Brown. That was there the entire time in Pittsburgh, but Tomlin's able to keep a lid on it because he is such a great coach, and that's why I can't count them out. Even against the Ravens, I think that the Ravens still win in the playoffs and find a way. But man, that's going to be interesting, and you can't count the Steelers out until you know they count themselves out. Yeah, uh, you know what? I think the Steelers are going to be there. Um, and yeah, if you're Baltimore, definitely that is one team along with the Chiefs. I don't think you, you're, you'd be overly thrilled to see in a playoff game mm-hmm. because Pittsburgh's not scared of them. No. Like sometimes, like I'll give you, like to me as a Chiefs fan. I, even though I think the Chiefs are better and should beat them, like I wouldn't want to see New England in a playoff game for one reason, Belichick. I, I, the Chiefs should win, but Belichick, they've seen each other a million times. Belichick knows how to scheme. He'll come up with some weird thing that Mahomes won't be ready for because no one's ever yep. seen it. If you're the Ravens, like you should beat Pittsburgh, but they're not worried about like They've seen you. They've played you a million times. So, yeah, I think Pittsburgh's going to be there. I do. 
I agree. All right, Verderam. Week three, it's almost wrapped up. We got the Chiefs and we've got the Ravens on Monday Night Football. But right. let's just take a let's take a second and catch up here on what we've got going on. What's going on in the Verderam household? What's going on in Verderam's life right now? So everybody's heard this for the past week, but it, it, it <laughs> will it deserves the whole week. So I will stick with it. Maisie turned three years old today. So the and my oh, and my parents' thirty nine year anniversary. So a lot going wow. on. Uh, I know, I know. My parents actually, I lit a candle for them at church for that. Um, <laughs> I, I, neither one of them wants to talk about it. No, it, regardless, um, happy anniversary to them. But no, Maisie turned three. She had a couple of her friends over. My wife had a couple of her friends over. Stephanie, uh, her birthday was yesterday, so it was quite the weekend. Um, it was good. Maisie got cake. She uh, ate a lot of it. She ate a lot of popsicles. And then Stephanie was annoyed that Maisie wouldn't go to sleep. Uh, shocking. <laughs> Uh, so no, it was, man, it was good. Maisie's in her big girl bed now, so she can just get out and, and whatever she wants. Uh, I got to give it to her though. We got to this clock that it it's it's really like a nightlight, but it always you know we can set it with our phone, so it lights up pink, and it's like a sound machine as well. So when she's she's in the room, I think it, it goes pink at like seven o'clock at night. That's when her bedtime is in theory, in theory anyway, and. So she goes to bed and the light doesn't turn green until 6.45 in the morning. She knows that she can't come out of her own last light screen. I got to give it to that kid. I know she's awake before 6.45. She doesn't make a sound. She sits in her room. The second at 6.45, you hear the doorknob start jiggling. She opens it up. You hear the pitter-patter on little feet. Runs to our bedroom door, opens the door. I waited till the light was green. I waited. Good morning. Good morning. And, yeah. So the queen, three years old. I cannot believe that three years ago today I was taking Maisie. Uh, well, we weren't taking her home. I was sleeping on a, on a couch in the hospital. That was like a concrete slab. But yeah. uh, I can't believe that was three years ago today. But here we are. So happy birthday to the queen. What's, uh, what's going on in your life, Phil? Yeah, well, happy birthday to the to the queen and happy anniversary to Mama and Papa Verderam. That's a uh, big big day, <laughs> big year, big day, a lot of years. <laughs> Nobody thought we'd see it, and yet here we are. Oh, I I've got not as many exciting things going on at all. I've spent all day today raving about the Buccaneers and also channel countering that with looking at this MLB postseason bracket. Because the last day of the, the season wraps up today, so my life has been completely consumed by sports, mostly sad things. So I'm, I'm, I'm frankly shocked that I haven't reached that point yet. But a win is a win, and the Twins are not in the same bracket as the Yankees. So unless they meet in the American League Championship Series, there's not going to be any pain. But knowing my pain, they're going to meet there. And all, But we're in the A's bracket, you and me, head-to-head, yeah. -head, ALDS. I I am fully confident, as sad as this is, that both of our teams are going to lose immediately. Oh, and, it's, and, and it's going to be Houston and, and the White Sox. And the other. If there's one thing I know about the Oakland A's, it's that they're immediately going to blow it in October. Like the, oh, yeah. I'll give them credit. They don't even draw it out. It's just immediate. Like Actually, I, you know what? I take that back. You guys have an incredible tendency to just get swept immediately. Oh, yeah. Oakland, on the other hand, if it's a five-game series, will win the first two games every single time and then just just murder you over the <laughs> course of the next three games. 
It is incredible the history of that team over the last twenty years. I hope Hill. I hope that we see each other in the in the uh, ALDS. Yeah, it would be fun. We've seen the two teams have seen each other twice in our in our lifetimes as fans, and they've split those two series. So, oh yeah, um, that would be cool. And at least you know what? I've never I've never had anything against the Twins. Maybe because they're small market like Oakland. I've always kind of liked them. So if the A's lost them, at least it'd be palatable. I will root against. If you're a Yankees fan, you're listening to this. I hope you suffer immense pain over the next three days. <laughs> I hate them. As a New Yorker, I cannot stand that team. They're frauds. I hope Cleveland shuts them out two games straight, and it's just a complete embarrassment. Um, but, yeah, look, I couldn't be any happier. The three teams I'm most scared of in the playoffs in the AL are the Yankees, the Rays, and the Indians because of their pitchers, and they're all in the same bracket, and they're mm-hmm. not in Oakland. So, I <laughs> now, of course, it won't matter because we'll lose to freaking Dallas Keuchel. But <laughs> I'm still happy at least that we have a better shot than I thought we were going to have. Yeah, that's right. We got a Yanks Go Yard podcast too. Adam and Thomas run that. And from one podcast to another, Vernon and I are wishing you nothing but pain go and straight suffering. Just go, go straight, straight, straight there. There is a direct ticket. There's a skip go, go right there. Like I want no part of the Yankees. Just disgusting. It disgusts me. But all right, we've got week four. Coming up next week, you are going to be back with Carm, I believe, later in the week. You guys are going to break down uh, probably the Monday night game. Hopefully it ends a little bit better than you're expecting it to. And then look ahead to week four and everything that's coming up there. In the meantime, everybody should like and subscribe, leave a review. You know, this is the best football podcast that you could possibly listen to. That's my review. So I, why don't you just take my words, type them out into iTunes, and boom, look at that. We've done ourselves a favor. We all hate the Yankees. We all love this podcast. We're all leaving reviews, five stars. It's fantastic. Kumbaya. We're making 2020 a little bit better of a place to be in by doing that. So for Matt Verderam, I'm Josh Hill, and we'll see everybody later this week. Love getting prices that are lower than low on food that's fresher than fresh? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app, where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone.